0: hey everyone welcome back to another episode of the comics collective the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel and recommend the 10 comics you should be picking up this new comic book day however today we are super lucky to be joined by the amazing talent Junie Ba whose recent book, *Digelia*? I think I'm pronouncing that <laughs> as best as I can, um, which honestly is one of my favorite books of the year and is a real contender for my number one best comic of the year. So I'm very excited okay. to talk with you, Juni. Um, hello, how are you? I'm
1: good, <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, and thanks, by the way. Like the, the, I like the intro. Like it's a, it's a reassuring, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things where like, you make you make the thing alone in your room for months and, and you never really know what the reaction is going to be. So, yeah, I, I it helps the the anxiety, I guess.
0: <laughs> I'm sure if it makes you feel any better. I've been kind of anxious about this because I was like, this book was so good. I don't want to sound dumb trying to talk about it. <laughs> and so yeah. if that helps, it sounds like we've both been a little anxious to talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe for the listeners that don't know yet, how would you describe Jellia, and I guess sort of your your comics career so far? Oh,
1: um, so Jellia is uh, I usually describe it as a fantasy book based on folklore of West Africa, uh, which is. It's a story about it's a story about stories where you have uh, a, ki- a prince and his counselor and royal storyteller trying to rebuild the kingdom that they lost when they were children. And the more they go on their adventures, meeting talking animals and giant robots and abandoned cities, they start to learn about whether. That maybe the system that they used to live in when they were children was not actually as good as they thought it was, and they they it's a it's a discovery self-discovery journey but also discovery of the world and maybe the notions that you were given as a child the stories you were told basically that that are the foundation of yourself as a as a person and your um cultural identity maybe those stories are somehow not necessarily the truth, and maybe they should be updated a little bit. Along with the, the identity that they help you build. Um, now, for my career, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I, I, there's a lot of like freestyle to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like, every once in a blue moon, I will receive a message from someone who's like, How did you break out? Like, how did you learn to, uh, how did you find publishers and stuff like that? Like, how, how what's the, what's the, 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 the path? To get Mm -hmm. to where you are and i'm like i don't know (laughs) 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 i I, i'm i've started working i guess full time maybe two years ago at this point uh so it's really fresh like it's really Mm -hmm. new and i'm still doing I'm, i'm still in the middle of doing the first of a lot of things so mm-hmm. i just had my first graphic novel and then uh i started doing my first covers and my first like guest appearances i guess on various books
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and now like I, I technically can't talk about what the books are but i'm doing my own for the first time i'm doing the writing and art for mainstream like licensed books very cool so, like, the, the stress of it is still very present. So I, I don't really have, I know where I want to go. I just don't like I stop sometimes to just look at how I got to where I am and It's just a lot of like, guessing and shoot your shot and you you might get something basically. maybe someday i'm gonna stop and like make a memoir or something just for myself (laughs) like to publish but just for myself of like how did this happen exactly Mm -hmm.
0: i i like that that is the way that life tends to go i feel like there's very rarely a clear path but yeah your your talent is evident looking at these books so it's not a surprise that it seems to be working out (laughs) it is to me (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. Um, something I wanted to touch on, reading some interviews that you've done in the past, I really like that you nailed down that Jillia is a. It's a fantasy story, right? And I think yeah. to some people, myself included at first, it takes a minute to realize that because in America, fantasy is so tied up in a specific kind of folklore, yeah. right? So much fantasy is based around the Lord of the Rings or... Yeah european feudalism right and so to introduce this west african folklore these these things that are completely foreign to me i'm learning about them the first time reading this story it makes the story extra fantastic if that makes sense um so i guess do you feel like there's been a barrier trying to pitch this book to people (laughs) in america or do you feel like it's been pretty well received
1: um so there was a barrier but not in America. Okay. So I, I live in France and I grew up in Senegal. So I originally wanted the book to be published in France. Mm-hmm. Mostly because uh, that's where I live. That's like one of my two countries and um and there's also like even technical aspects of like the language I wanted to use. I grew up speaking French and a little, little bit of Wolof, which is one of the languages of, of Senegal, and mm-hmm. so those two languages go together for me. Like there are specific sentences, ways of speaking, patterns, and stuff like that that I wanted to have in the book that you just you just can't repeat them with English. It mm-hmm. just doesn't, you know. And I have never I have never been exposed to Wolof-speaking English speakers. Like, I don't know, did that sentence even make sense? Uh, But I, yeah, so basically, I I, I have no exposure to Senegalese people speaking Wolof and English and mixing the two. Mm -hmm. So, originally, I wanted to publish in France. The problem was that I ran into issues of being told um, that while the project looked interesting, the publishers did not know what to do with it. They did not know how to promote it, how to market it to people, how to convince people to buy it. It was one of those situations where I, I, I observed a bit of what the other black French creators in publishing in general, not just comic books, like in comic books, I don't know many of them, to be honest, I don't think there are that many. Um, but they were talking about how they, they there's this weird thing the French do where they don't, they don't publish those subjects very much themselves anything that has to do with, like, b- black characters, uh, either about race or just different cultures, they don't really publish it themselves. They translate it while from from books that were published in English or other languages because they prefer to have the proof of, like, this concept can work and be sold somewhere else before they put the money in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if they make comics about Africa, it's going to be made by some white dude who wants to talk about it. <laughs> And and yeah and and it's that that is not to say that those books are bad. It's just not. It's a very narrow view of what you can do with that uh, that part of the world in terms of inspiration.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so the challenge was basically I showed up with a concept that they did not know what it was and how to get their readership interested in it. So it was this constant frustration of talking about it to random French people. tell me this is great. I wish I want to read this. And then when you submit it to French publishers, they're like, that's nice, but I don't really know what to do with this. I don't even know if people would want to read this. So this is where America shines, because (laughs) I after having like one bad experience with a French publisher who wanted the book, but proved to be very narrow minded on subjects of race in general, Mm-hmm. Uh, I figured I don't really trust someone like that to handle a book, even if the book doesn't talk about race at all. But the the just this idea of taking something so rooted in African uh, cultures and putting it in the hands of someone who kept proving that they were not necessarily attuned to the kind of challenges that a book like that could face.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I kept receiving like my my family kept telling me the French are not just not ready for something like this. They're not they're not they don't they're not open minded enough. So just go to America because because at least they have the sense of what could be uh, a good event, a good investment. And I contacted TKO, the publishing house, and they were the first company I contacted and the idea was I'm going to make this book anywhere, regardless of whether I find a publisher or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, if I am to, pu- to pitch something, uh, I should probably start with the a company that's like seems open minded enough. So I went with TKO because they were new; they were like a year old at the time when I pitched this, and they seemed to be very interested in shaking things up, doing things differently. And I, I guess my past experiences made me want to gravitate towards a group that would that would be of that kind of mindset of like mm-hmm. yeah let's try new things. Uh, so yeah, so I just sent in an, an, an email that was like I have this book idea, can I show it to you? And they said yes, and from then on we started work.
0: That's that makes me happy. It, it ended up in my hands. I know that that's a frustrating story to hear, but I'm I'm so happy this book ended up in my hands because of that. Mm. Um, I'm really fascinated with sort of reworking the book into English. Um, yeah. I I have a background with languages, and so I understand how hard it is to say things across different languages. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the process like? Reworking Jelia into English for TKO? Uh,
1: so, a good part of the book had already been storyboarded. Mm-hmm. The dialogue was already there in French. So, I had to rework everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and <sighs> so, the goal was not to do a one to one situation. Mm-hmm. So, even the balloons that you see. The usual way translation happens in, in comic books is they're going to take the balloon and change the language in it. Whereas I changed the dialogue completely, keeping the tone, the information that needed to be conveyed and then changing in French what I would have said in maybe three sentences. Because English is a different language and I want the characters to keep the same vibe of kind, what kind of person they are, but <laughs> they would not say the same things in English as they were in French. So in French, you have, say, one balloon with three sentences in it. In English, I would have, I would need to have, say, two balloons with two sentences in them, saying the same things, but differently.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it was really more of a uh, trying to make it sound natural in a language that is technically my second language. And so, the, 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 yeah, the process was fun. Like, I, I, I did receive a few notes during the process of reworking it from the editor who was like this doesn't necessarily sound very like natural for for an English speaker maybe try this so he really helped me figure out how to make things sound like an actual English speaker would and even then I had to try and stick to specific ways that different people speak so like i would use my nigerian uh, friends as an example for how certain characters would speak but for other ones i would be using more of a, an african-american influence
2: mm-hmm. so i
1: would try to like make sure that they sound like actual living communities i guess communities mm-hmm. are not a part of speaking a language <laughs> that they all have made their own with their own lingo and everything like it was a mess
0: yeah i I can imagine. Do you feel like any of the characters changed in that process? Like you sort of found a new voice for them in Um, English? Or do you think it was pretty consistent?
1: I think it's pretty consistent. Mostly because there are certain aspects that are like very, um, those characters are like, I I really like folktales. And so the characters that I tend to write are really based on very archetypal uh, figures so and those archetypal figures are very universal so the characters didn't necessarily change in changing language because i still kept kept the way they would express themselves just with different words and different uh, sentence structures and stuff like that but the general vibe was the same I like so, that. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, there will probably be some lit, little nuances from the French version of Awa and the English version of Awa, but the, the the ground of it, like the, the base of it is is the same. I
0: like that. I like the idea of a book that's so much about story being reworked to be a story for different kinds of people, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Be, because really, like you said in your intro, the core of Jelia is is about how we receive stories and how we frame stories, right? Is yeah. um, so what was the the impetus or the desire to tell a story about stories?
1: Um, so I realized in the process of this that I'm kind of obsessed with folk tales and stories as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably probably why I like making my own comics, like writing my own stories. So if you give me a licensed character to do, I will probably prefer to make to make the story myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that has a lot to do with the fact that I grew up watching cartoons and reading books and being really into not just the aesthetics, but the, the story that was told with those aesthetics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when I started working on this, it was at the very beginning, it was just a concept of I want to do a fantasy world with African West African influences and make a story in that world. And then once you've started doing like I really just started doing the aesthetic first. So the design of of the animals, the the clothes, the the machinery and everything. And then as I did research started reading stories and stuff like that, the um, the ideas came of what kind of subjects I would like to tackle, what kind of character types I would like to use and then it's kind of like a puzzle of like this is all the things that i want to use what can i make with all of of these things that's coherent enough um and you you know you start doing research and then in in your research you find one thing that you didn't expect and in my case it was the the jelly the concept of of the jelly where i just read about them somewhere i don't even remember exactly where i think it's like I was reading a story about a king and there was Yelly right there. And I was like, that's an interesting figure that I don't think I've seen anywhere else. And I grew up in a country where they still kind of exist. But I, I they were always like at the on the side. And I was like, it's interesting that this is a figure that used to be so important to the to the function of to the well functioning of West African societies. And now in this modern westernized world, they are well basically reduced to surviving on whatever job they can find and but the tradition is still here Mm -hmm. and so from then on I was like yeah so what kind of stories can you make out out of that notion of like we used to be this and this is what we are now and also talk about just the larger issues of what kind of influence they used to have with the power that they had, the stories that they told. Like it, It's a process of just, this is what I want to talk about. This is the kind of story I want to do out of these elements that I just have happen to have an interest in at the moment. I have a very holistic way of making stories, basically. Like I will have an idea and say, watch a movie in that same week, and I will just make a mix of the two things. Because mm-hmm. they just going to be the two things I have on my mind. If I had watched something else, the project would be completely different.
0: I like that. My, I'm a very big fan of Dungeons and & Dragons. And my friends always tease me that they know what movie I recently watched. Because that's what we will do in Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> in the next couple yeah. weeks. They So anytime I watch a movie, one of them will text me and be like, so can we expect to see this <laughs> next week? And so I, I understand that impulse. Um, I know in the past in interviews you have cited Hellboy as a big influence yeah. on on your work. Hellboy is probably my favorite comic of all yeah. time as well. And so sense. thinking about how Mike Mignola approaches just that same thing. All of his stories are just, I just read this cool story now Hellboy's going to be in it. Yeah, I, I like the idea of you incorporating that but bringing in folk tales that like, I, I have not heard these folk tales. you know? When Hellboy goes to King Arthur, I'm, I know what King Arthur is about. I know yeah. what Excalibur is. When I read Jellia, I was learning over and over about these things.
1: J- Jellia could have been twice as long. <laughs> uh, there was just a lot of stuff that, I, that just didn't need to be there, so I had to take it out. And so now I'm, I'm sort of having fun with, like, I've already... Sort of scripted, not even scripted, but like I have, I have, I have made stories that could be follow-ups to to that already use those elements, Uh, and I have a bunch of like, I have an interest in stories as a whole, I guess. So depending on what I'm working on, there will be elements of like African influences in different projects, but I tend to take influence from all kinds of things. So one of the projects that I have working uh, in the in the boxes right now is something that I wish to do in France about Captain Nemo. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to start mixing it with like Arabic influences and Peter Pan and uh, Mermaids, uh, um, Lovecraftian, like uh, Eldritch Horror. Like there's a bunch of different things in it. And it and it just um, it's just because that that's again, what I was interested in at any given time while I was processing that story. Uh, I remember like sharing drawings of a have a pitch for a Robin Batman and Robin graphic novel. It's all about Damien Wayne, and so I really want to use Arabic influences for like the aesthetics of of, like say, each chapter would have. Really ornate uh, illustration where you really get to pull into his influences.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: like the the it varies, it varies a lot. And I I guess that's one of the things that I really try to work on now. Of like my first graphic novel was very inspired by where I come from, but I don't want to be put in a box. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: you will get more stuff inspired by West Africa, but I also really show that i can branch out of that box and do different things and so the like there was an article a few weeks a month ago even when i shared a few tweets about uh, i shared a few drawings on twitter of the ninja turtles mm-hmm. and it ended up on a website that was like um we you we really really need to have this artist on the ninja Turtles because he comes from africa so he would have very an interesting different perspective to give and um am and i just Like, I, 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 am I to understand that you expect me to put the Ninja Turtles in Africa just because I come from there, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I like stories from all kinds of different places.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I want to read that Damian Wayne story. That sounds so (laughs) fun. I love the, the slow trend, but the trend towards allowing stories to take place elsewhere and take influences from other places you know reading something like gene yang's american-born chinese and learning about the monkey king reading jellia learning about west african lore i like the idea that you're right you don't have to just tell stories about where you're from and you can help show people other beautiful stories from around the world Mm -hmm. i really like that um shifting a little bit into your your upcoming announced project, Monkey Meat. Could you tell me a little bit what that's about?
1: Uh, well, I'll say that's another example of like me using African influences but not being overt about it.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: Monkey Meat has a lot of those, like in the buildings and the designs of things, but whereas Jelia was very much... Um, this is a West African fantasy thing. Um, Monkey Meat is more like the the the... the this is just the product of my brain. So there's a lot of different influences that just mix together. And so like even the basic idea is um, it takes place in a world where a corporation sells cans of monkey meat to the population of the world. And they are basically the only game in town in terms of giving um, food to people at this point. So they are the most powerful corporation in the world. They have their own island where they employ monkeys that are both the product and the, the employees. So from there, they started building a hotel and they have visitors coming and they built an entire city. And the entire point of this story is that every chapter is focused on someone living on that island. That's kind of the the dystopian hyper-capitalist hellscape. Mm -hmm. And they are surrounded by all kinds of supernatural, weirdly funky things that happen because of what the the company has done to the ecosystem. Mm So I usually describe it as saying, this is a kind of place where you can get uh, attacked by a witch that comes out of your sink to to drink your brains. (laughs) And you can't do anything because the company already has a li- like a clause of liability to, to protect themselves against the weirdest things imaginable. And yeah, so every issue is its own story focused on someone living on that island. Then you're going to have magicians and robots and guys who die and then are brought back to life because they are still useful to the, the capitalist machine. Uh, yeah, and it's like it's meant to be really fun and really satirical. Mm-hmm. And I like it's only five issues, and it's a product of me listening to the Gorillas when I was a, a kid. Like in terms of vibe, this is basically what you can expect. Like the, the 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 early first, yeah, the first three albums of the Gorillas, in terms of like aesthetic and and vibe and just general weirdness, this mm-hmm. is basically what you can expect from this book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I I find it so interesting to read hearing the pitch for that story and thinking about Angelia, just these, this analysis of power dynamics, right? Yeah. Angelia is all about the stories that people in power tell about themselves and reframing that, right? Yeah. So it, it's very interesting to hear about hyper-capitalist islands where like the people are the product and <laughs> they produce the product. I was like, where have I heard that before? <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. real life. I think that fantasy especially has such a special way of demonstrating those dynamics, right? I think a lot of the time sci-fi is seen as the vehicle for social commentary, Mm -hmm. but I think that fantasy and the sort of work that you do allows for just enough separation to, to really look at those issues in a new way. You know, when it, when it's a monkey making a can of monkey meat, you mm-hmm. kind of get the message maybe a little <laughs> bit more clearly than than you would in another way. So I think that's really cool and really special.
1: Thanks.
0: Yeah. Um, I, don't, I just I like the idea of bringing in all of these influences. So you love you love the gorillas. You love Hellboy. What what are some other maybe comics or shows over the years that you think have have shaped you? into no. the comics creator you are
1: um i mean an obvious another obvious one is the samurai jack tv show yeah which i i i it's probably my my like i watch it every year it's probably my bible at this point mm-hmm. um but like it's i'm i'm a product of watching 90s 80s anime and early 2000 cartoon network around the same time mhm uh, like because the, the, I had French channels and that's basically how it functioned. Uh, we had a lot of like 90s, 80s anime is very big, was very big in in France. Like since then, anime has become this huge thing around the world. So I'm not sure the kids of today would know who the like characters of Sensei are. Um, but yeah, so I, I I'm the product of those influences, and then it's learning over time. So yeah, Samurai Jack the early Two thousand's cartoon network Latin like, Titans is a really big one for me. The Justice League as well. Uh, I I very often go back to Batman the animated series as well.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. like the um, I guess the the, the main thing is that I the older I get, the more I start to appreciate the work that was done by the very specific people that were working on something. Mm-hmm so it's the reason why for example i um, spider-verse is my favorite uh, superhero movie at this point point. Mm-hmm. and i have absolutely no excitement for the sequel because the people who I consider responsible for the quality of it have left yeah uh, so that they are technically making a sequel and i'm going to look at what it looks like just out of interest but i i've become the kind of person who who develops a sort of following more on the people who make the thing than the thing themselves. So, yeah, so like, I, I still follow what Gandhi Artaxaski does, for example, because he convinced me with Samurai Jack and Star Wars, the Clone Wars series and Dexter's Lab. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, give me more dinosaurs and cavemen punching. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, the episode of Primal where they fight the monkey is pretty cool. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie. Speaking of monkeys, that yeah, is cool.
1: <laughs> I absolutely love it. So I have absolutely no interest in in him rebooting anything. I just want him to make new things that are the continuation of what he's always been good at doing.
0: I agree. I agree with that. Um, so speaking a little bit of of those those superhero TV shows and movies. Do you have any desire to work with any of those corporate superheroes from America, uh, or do you want to continue doing your own thing?
1: Well, I've done, let's see. I've already done two two things, two complete issues drawing two different Robins. How cool. Uh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I, well, one of them is uh, Truth and Justice number six, I think. Yeah, Truth and Justice number number six. Where I got to draw Damian Wayne, Um, and the other one is uh, part of the um, tie-in comic that they did for the Batman audio series on on uh, on uh, what's it called again? The the, the, um, Warner Brothers streaming service. Anyway, okay. Um, I did two ten like ten pages for a Joker book as well. So that was my first foray in it, but I didn't write any of this.
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: if I could write the stuff, and I have just recently, but I can't tell you what yet. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I I have like story ideas for a bunch of characters. I have a list of characters that I always wanted to write stories and draw stories for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just from the top of my head, there's like uh, Nova... Black Panther, Robin, Superman, Thor, and um, Etrigan the Demon.
0: I would love to see Etrigan in your style. That would be so cool.
1: Yeah, like I have, I don't even really have an idea. I just have vague images in my mind of what I would do Etrigan, and I don't even have a story yet. But anyway, but the, yeah, so I have a list, um, and it's more of a side thing, I guess. I don't, I don't. I grew up with a very French influence. Mm-hmm. In terms of comic books, so I don't have this idea of, like, if you work in, in comics, you have to be working on the superheroes most of the time. Yeah. So it's more of a side thing where, like, I love doing covers, and I love the, the covers that I've been doing with DC so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there are going to be more of those, I hope, and, and from Marvel as well. And so the the idea is... I want to treat this as the treat that it should be like every once in a while you come and you you have a quick pass on the character just because you have a cool idea that could work and then you go off and do your own thing and then you come back whenever you have a new idea for something I, i i don't intend for it to be the main aspect of my output
0: i like that um so this this is just a question for me. I guess everyone gets to listen. But I've recently been looking more and more into French and European comics. Yeah. I feel like I have read a lot of American comics, and now I want to see some other ideas.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Um, what, what are some of the French or European comics that have spoken to you the most that you think I should go check out if I like your work?
1: Uh, oh, boy. Uh... Okay, so... There's a character that I love called Spirou. Um, spelled S-P-I-R-O-U. Um, okay. Very cartoony, very like... Uh, like cartoony in the style, but also even in the concept, because it's very, very much like albums of like 70, 45 to 75 pages of adventures, where mm-hmm. he goes to different places around the world, including fictional ones and he has adventures like a cartoon character on the saturday morning show um and it's really cool like it's a really cool vibe basically so and and different artists have tackled the thing including a very influential one called franca in the 60s and 70s in belgium um so i recommend that if you like like fun adventure stories mm-hmm. really aimed at children but it's really like it can be enjoyed by anyone just because the stories are good, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, now on the more older type of thing, like it's it's kind of complicated because there are so many things.
2: <laughs> Anything
1: you take from Moebius or um, Enki Bilal is great, because like the Moebius is basically the, the French god of comics, I guess. Okay. Just without Jack Kirby. You could say. Okay. Maybe with more drugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, what else? The um, a personal favorite of mine. Um so there's a guy called Alex Alice who drew a book called Siegfried about Siegfried from the the and it's a three parter and the the art is absolutely gorgeous. And they they were supposed to make an animated movie out of it and they never did and this is probably going to be one of the great regrets of my existence that this thing is <laughs> but, like i mean the book is gorgeous like you can look at the, the the art style later like the the i hate the guy who draws this because of how good he is yeah yeah like that's that's insane um so yeah and and the thing is just looking at the different uh creators that you can find just choose based on whatever concept seems interesting to you. Go on websites where they sell um, French comics and look up whatever looks interesting because there is really a lot of diversity in terms of art styles and subject matters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the lack of diversity is more in the types of people they choose to make books about. But, yeah. but the, the um, like it's one of the great joys of my life living in France. I should go to comic shops more often because of the massive amount of just very different things that they keep making so yeah like yeah. you have you have an entire continent worth of stuff to look at
0: i am excited i i'm going to france in a week and a half oh. and so I, I plan to come home with a lot of comic books yeah <laughs> um well very very cool um are are there any other things that you would like to touch on or maybe pitch to to our listeners before we close up
1: uh well not pitch necessarily uh but yeah the the, the like it's 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 the, the frustration of my existence at the moment that i'm working on very exciting things but i can't talk about them because they haven't been announced yeah i have to keep it to myself But I've been I've been uh, like I've been teasing stuff on my Twitter, just posting GIFs after (laughs) GIFs anyway. So, yeah, so right now the big thing coming is monkey meat, I guess. The the, the, it's really like something that I did for myself for fun, which is why I'm doing it with image because they are the most flexible Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, and the most open as well. Like I really like working with them on this because they they you can you can sense the feel of like um, people who enjoy making comics and give you the freedom that you need to make them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. So the big the big thing coming is Monkey media and in upcoming weeks, I, I suppose there's going to be a few a few announcements <coughs> on, on the interwebs, mostly regarding um, reptilians of some kind with weapons.
0: Um <laughs> hmm. 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 I wonder what those could be. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. that, then, mm-hmm. that's that's very exciting. And I'll just add once more to any of our listeners that haven't been convinced yet uh, the the book Jellia is beautiful. There's a great. Physical edition from TKO. TKO makes beautiful comics. Yeah. And I think, I think you should pick it up. It's probably the book I'm going to give to everybody for Christmas this year, whether they <laughs> like comics or not. So make sure to go pick it up, give it a read, and make sure to support Monkey Meat when it drops from Image Comics in the coming yeah. months.
1: It's going to be January. Yeah. At the beginning of January is when the the first issue comes out.
0: Perfect. That's super exciting. All right, well, I won't take much more of your time, but I really appreciate being able to talk and I'm excited that. to to see what else comes comes my way from from you. Oh,
2: cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah,
0: no problem. All right, thank you so much.